Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Jeff Cohen with the Oracle Marketing Cloud. And normally by my side, Randy Frisch from Uberflip is not by my side. So we'll be we'll be running this podcast solo. And we have a great guest today. But before we get to our guest, we just want to remind you, or I just want to remind you, that Content Pros is part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. Lots of great podcasts you can listen to. Go over to convinceandconvert.com and you can find more about them. So today's guest, we have Pamela Muldoon. She is the revenue marketing coach at the Pedowitz Group. And I feel like, Pamela, I need explanation on all of that. So <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. And I'm more than happy to explain whatever needs to be explained because nothing is as quite as it seems, right? So <laughs> Yeah. Well, let, let's start with Revenue Marketing Coach. Yeah. Yeah. That? Well, it's, you know, it, I'm a part of a team of strategists. So the Pedowitz Group is a marketing consulting firm. We're located out of Atlanta, Georgia, but our entire team is virtual. So I actually live in Henderson, Nevada, and um, that's uh, actually we have a suburb here in Nevada called Las Vegas. Perhaps you've heard of it, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and so I get the uh, wonderful opportunity to work virtually and work with clients all over the United States. And um, as a revenue marketing coach, that's really an overarching, nice way of saying we do a lot of content strategy, campaign strategy, and we also align a lot with the marketing automation. So that lead management demand generation process. Lots going on. <laughs> so, so let's start sort of at the at the highest level to to understand your role. I I gather that you are both creating content for the firm and also working with clients to help develop content strategy, et cetera, for them to create content. Is that? Accurate? That, or? Yeah, is very accurate, Jeff. Absolutely. Um, obviously, it's, you know, the whole cobbler shoes, shoes syndrome, right? Like you've got to take care of your own content as an agency. So I work um, with part of the content strategy team for the Pedowitz Group, and we uh, work with all of our subject matter. Uh, subject matter experts, right, to get that work done. And then, of course, um, as an agency, we want to stay billable and serve our clients. So a big chunk of what I do is content strategy for the clients that we serve to make sure that their campaigns and their content overall is where it needs to be for their buyer journey and, of course, the personas they're trying to reach. So I know a, a big part of your content strategy, and I, I will let you interpret my questions whether you want to answer them about the Pedowitz group or client work, I'll, 
I won't keep specifying each time either or both. I'll just throw these out to you. Uh, certainly one of the one of the important components of content strategy in your world is white papers and this idea of thought leadership. I, I'd love to I'd love to get your opinion on what is the state of both the white paper and the idea of thought leadership because those are terms that are thrown around an awful lot in certainly in B2B everybody always did white papers and then everybody changed to ebooks but you're doing white papers and and we're still calling things thought leadership that may or may not be uh, what are what are your thoughts on kind of all that stuff yeah, yeah, it is kind of funny how some of these tactics get thrown around so so much, right? And and we do work in B two B, so um, we are we're we're like a lot of folks in that regard, where we have some of the standard or I guess the the old standby kind of um, terms of content. So it's uh, it's extremely important to do good content, valuable content, whatever that means to your audience, but then also test and measure if it's working or if you need to to try different tactics, that type of thing. But to answer directly in terms of the white paper, you know, that I have a love-hate relationship with the white paper, right? <laughs> Personally. Um, it's it's really interesting because even as I work with clients, I find that the definition of a white paper is different for every client I've worked with, and it's different for how we use it at TPG. So trying to get um, a standardization of some of these terms is a, is a challenge overall in the industries. Um, we worked a lot with financial service folks, and it's been challenging to, to just kind of what is a white paper. One of the things that we have found at TPG is that when we get an opportunity and when, and I can answer the thought leadership piece as well, is we have um, individuals in our organization that um, have been authors, have been uh, at, at a very high level of the game in, in the revenue marketing and marketing operations conversation. And so we have found that our white papers, which are a robust piece of content that can have um, sometimes four to six different sections that we can then repurpose, but has a robustness to it to uh, the the actual components have gone have done really well, but they've done really well because of the way that they're positioned with the person who's created or developed them as well. So that's where for us, I think white papers have done well because our thought leadership. And when I say thought leadership, this is someone who's been um, at least in our industry. We have our, our particular company. We have some individuals who have been in the game for a long time at a high level. So we we do really believe that their thoughts are leading the industry, right? So we're very specific with that with TPG. We're trying to transfer some of that to our clients, but it's not as um, it's not as cut and dry because when you're dealing with some of these enterprise organizations, it's it's not as easy to get to the quote unquote thought leadership, right? It's really spread out across different product development folks, different folks in the sales team, uh, and so there the thought leadership is becomes more of a subject matter expert conversation. If that makes sense. It, it does. And I'm going to make a personal request here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one, one of the things that I am always looking for as a content marketer are statistics in the area that I am writing about. And since one of the things that we offer is a marketing automation product, uh, I'm looking for stats about marketing automation. And I continue to find blog posts that say the latest marketing automation stats for 2016 or 2015 or 2017. And they always include some 
Pedowitz Group study from 2013. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so, so if if you could find a way to sort of sneak in a request for an updated 2017 marketing automation survey, I will definitely use those stats. <laughs> That's fantastic. I absolutely adore that, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, because it, it, that's so funny. I'm just, I'm just chuckling because um, I guess the good thing is that our content definitely has, has uh, it's solid, right? <laughs> yep. Whatever we're putting out, it is solid. So that's there. good to hear. It's, that's good <laughs> yeah. to hear. It's getting some nice traction. But you're absolutely right. I mean, that actually brings up a really good point of, you know, shipping consistently. And if you're going to put your, uh, I guess, stamp on something that um, making sure that you find a, a way to process it or workflow it so that you can continue to be more innovative or on top of your game, right? So um, I joined the Pedowitz Group in February of 2016. So not quite one year, right? And this is is an area that I'm so excited that I'm now a part of the content team internally, as well as what we're doing externally, because we are looking to put put a new spin on a lot of what we already currently have. And and so I will definitely go back. This is recorded. It's going to be out in the ether, right? So they can't hide. Nobody can hide, Jeff. We're going to make but, sure we get that updated for you. Well, <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate that because the number of times I, I go down these content rabbit holes. Right. And it's like 2013. Have people stopped doing surveys? Right. <laughs> That's so, well, it must have been a really good year. We must have got some solid information out of 2013. Um, but that, that's a really that good be. point, right? Like when it comes to surveys, a lot, you know, that's with anything, right? The research is only as good as the participation, right? So, um, but yeah, I think three, four years later, we it's it's a good time to do an update. I think there, and of course, marketing automation in and of itself is such a evolved uh situation right now, right? So much change, so much going on that I think it's uh it's a good time to do an update for sure. Right. It it it's actually a, a I'll turn this into a question rather than a request. Um but I guess it's I guess it's more of an observation. The idea of we all create so much content and we all focus on moving forward and we we just don't really go back and update these existing pieces. So so this is an example of a survey that was done. Yes, of course it makes sense to do to do an updated survey, but I've certainly had issues where we'll have an old ebook and and this is exactly what I'm looking for. The content is fine and the the principles of lead scoring haven't changed, but there's all this stuff around it. In other words, statistics and quotes and some case study kind of things. And so we've updated those. In other words, the the guts of the piece still remain, but we've added some new statistics in it that are actually current and the piece feels like a whole new a whole current piece. Yep. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm really glad that you we're, we're talking about this because I'm actually having this very similar discussion with clients as well as what we're doing internally uh, for the Pedowitz group and the content that we're looking to do more of here as we move into 2017. I actually just had a pretty intense content strategy meeting just this morning internally. So <laughs> the timing of this conversation is really good. But the repurposing conversation, that's another word, right, that gets thrown in around in our industry. Right. Repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. But 
it is such an important and integral part to the content strategy because to your point, it's not about 100% redo. It's going in, freshening things up, making sure it's current. You mentioned not only current statistics or current quotes, but there's new players in the game, right? right. There's sure. new you know, CMOs that have with companies you've worked with. They have a new CMO or a new director of marketing and let's get their insights. Let's get their, you know, just... There's so much change. Our industry as marketing overall, but content marketing specifically, wow, we have experienced so much change, so much shift, and so many new players in that game. So why aren't we putting those names forward, right? So very valid. And I think, too, um, if we are going to create something, inventory it, audit it from the beginning, if you can create that process, you're going to have a much easier time when you go back a year later and update it. It's not going to be this big monster project. It's going to be just part of the process. Absolutely. Right. Uh, absolutely. And and just to just to add one more point to this, because I guess I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation rather than the asking questions part, because I get to talk too. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> go for it. I love it. <laughs> But the the idea of you have an addressable market of a certain size, and even if you look at your most successful piece of content, the thing that was downloaded more than anything else, the majority of, of your audience has not seen it. Right. And yes. And so the the idea of putting putting a refresh on a piece and putting it out again makes perfect sense. Like, why do we need to reinvent the wheel every time? We have perfectly good wheels that exist. Yes, we do. And one of the things I've been working on, um, both externally with my clients, as well as internally, is looking at, like, we we have three main personas at the Pedowitz Group that we really want to speak to. We've got our uh, CMO, your your, your highest level, you've got your director level, the folks that are really managing the teams, right? And then you've got your, mar- your marketing automation power users, the folks that um, are boots on the ground doing the work, you know, every day in, in the software. And um, we're starting to take a, a, sim- a new approach to old content as well, right? Not just freshening it up for uh, the set of eyes that haven't seen it, but also asking the question, is there a way to reframe this content for all the different personas? So that we're not constantly creating new, even though new is extremely important as we move through the year, but it's about looking at what you currently have because nine times out of 10, and I see this with my clients when I do, I do a lot of content assessment work, Jeff, they have amazing content. They just haven't really stopped taking a look at it and realized all the different ways that they can make this look different, right? And I just, I just think that's an underused and underperformed um, opportunity with a lot of content teams. Absolutely, absolutely. And and since you brought up personas moments before I was going to, I'll yeah. continue down. <laughs> we're we're on the same. We must, you know, even though we're not in the same room, Jeff. I'm thinking we're right there, copacetic, mano y mano. Yeah. I- <laughs> I think so. It's next on my list. And in for a rare case, I actually do have a list here. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right, Clear Voice can do that too. 
even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. But so as you approach those three personas and developing different content types to deal with them, what happens is content grows and expands to the point where if you have three personas and you have four or five types, if I, if I do that, if I do that math, that's like 15 pieces of content. And then I'm going to add another layer on here, which is ABM, where you're starting to think about multiple people in an organization, either specific roles that might be a little different from your personas or even specific uh, company issues. How, how does all that like, how do you manage all that and not let it drive you crazy as that pool <laughs> just grows and grows? I know it is pretty crazy. I, I guess the positive to that, if I can be cup half full, because, yeah, once you start breaking it down, Jeff, thanks. We have a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> but I'm the- <laughs> just looking out for you, Pamela. I just want to set you up right. I so appreciate that. I'm glad somebody is. That's so great. Uh, but the the cup half full on that is, wow, you're never going to run out of content ideas. Because how many times have we heard this as content folks, right? Especially when we're dealing with clients, you know, oh, I just don't know if we can come up with all that. And uh, what I love about what we're talking about is you don't have to come up with it so much as take a look what you already have. And mm-hmm. you will find that you have more than enough. And that's, I think, part of what we're talking about, too, is um, there's a couple of ways that I think we're managing this. And and for us, some of this is a new muscle as well, right? Because we have been, as an organization, just as guilty as I think a lot of folks. It's just kind of being more of a reactive state when it comes to content versus a proactive state. And so I'm a big believer in process and workflow and using the right tools in the right way to get there. Um, we're really focusing on our persona work first and the current content we have. And then we're also starting to map out some new ideas as they're coming to the table. And so that's kind of in and of itself, the, the bulk of our content strategy work, right? But then you, you mentioned ABM and the whole account-based process. Um, that's in, that really is a whole separate discussion. What I love about already having inventoried and have access to what we currently have is we can still look at it and say, how can we repurpose this for this specific vertical, right? We can still do that, but it does definitely become almost a subset of a strategy within your overall strategy. And I think you really have to look at it that way um, to kind of, to your point, not go crazy and manage it with a, a little bit less stress than what you're probably <laughs> going to going to get you know right. it's it's not easy but i think it's really critical and in today's world we're finding especially in b2b that um abm can make a lot of sense for for specific verticals right and if, if you think about abm if you think about abm from the perspective of we're going after people who are more likely to become customers than just your your general persona audience <laughs> It, it certainly makes sense to to spend some extra some extra time repurposing your content in that manner absolutely because of course at the at the heart of ABM is that personal feel right that the 
the elements of great content really don't change, right? You still want to tell a great story and you still want to um, answer the the problems, right? You want to answer the questions or solve the problems in your way, show them that you're able to do that. But what ABM brings to the table is that more of a personalized approach. So you really do have to take the time. It's almost more critical. This is not a, you know, pray and sp- spray model, right? <laughs> this is very, right. very specific, very direct. And, um, but I always say, look to what you have first, regardless of the strategy or sub strategy that you're working on, because you've got, you've always got gems. You, you definitely do. I mean, that's one of the reasons, even as a former podcaster, I transcribed everything right? Because there's gems sitting there, even if you didn't realize it, if you can go back and take a look at it. So look at what you currently have, but definitely treat your ABM strategy in somewhat of a separate, I guess a sub strategy is really one way to look at it without adding more layers to our marketing buzzwords, right? And conversation. (laughs) So let me add one more word to your already, you know, full bucket of buzzwords. (laughs) Well, it it could be a, it could generate a new a uh, new blog post, the sub strategy <laughs> of buzzword marketing buzzwords. Oh my goodness. Buzzwords in and of themselves. We have so many, just so many in our industry. <laughs> well, is, is the term marketing buzzword a keyword? I I, it might be. I don't know. We may have to, we have to do a little Google search on that. But yeah, in one of my previous podcasts, I had a, a segment called blast the buzzword and it was honestly I found it to be the most fun for my guests to uh, because they couldn't wait to take a certain buzzword or phrase to task. It was mm. it's a it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, next year I think that buzzword is going to be ABM. That's my prediction. <laughs> it, it, it very well could be right. It's it's um it's it's new for some, but it's starting to get traction. So whenever it start, something starts to get traction, you feel like you've heard it a lot, right? So right. yeah, and, uh, and we're really talking is very personalized marketing. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so you do have to take time to understand. And I think too, with ABM, there's a lot of different now softwares coming out and there's a lot of different digital opportunities. But this is also one of those areas where um, offline marketing can be very integral and very important to the process as well, because it is very relationship-based. Absolutely. Absolutely. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip, and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So, so let's change tracks a little bit. And one of the things that you let us that you shared with us ahead of this show is that you've actually done a lot of work recently in the financial services industry and one of your discoveries is actually the idea of immaturity in that market from a content marketing perspective and so i'd i'd love to get your feedback on that but also, there's a there's a bigger idea here, which is we've all been conditioned as content marketers to understand that content marketing is the way, it's the only way, and it's what everybody's doing. And and I think as you start digging into industries like financial services, probably probably healthcare and other regulated type things, 
you find that there may actually be fewer people out there doing content marketing or good content marketing than we're all led to believe. You have yeah. some, <laughs> that that was yeah. a lot to unpack. So No, it's I, t- I was totally tracking with you, Jeff. And I'm sitting here nodding. Going, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I've had the, the opportunity even previous, um, before I came to my current role with uh, TPG and as even a, before I became a true content strategist and content marketer, I worked in financial services um, many, many years ago. So I feel like I'm having a little bit of a flashback, right? And one of the things that really hasn't changed is when it comes to the preparation of anything, I don't care if it was brochures back in the day, direct mail, or today, the white paper, right? Or even mm-hmm. uh, a video or even, goodness gracious, social posts, right? There is still such a hurdle with the regulatory uh, situation, right? Every, of course, every organization, a little different, little slightly little different, but there's a process that has to be built in to really respect and um, understand the process of getting it through legal and or compliance, right, for output. And there's reasons for that. We aren't definitely going to go into all of that today. We can't, <laughs> we, we can't solve that problem. But one of the things, so that I think speaks to some of the you know, to your word, immaturity, right, of where content marketing is with some of these financial service organizations, because it's hard, you know, it's hard enough for us with the, with no compliance, right? I don't have to run everything I do. We have a QA process internally, but that's within 24 hours, right? Right, (laughs) Sometimes less, right? But (laughs) when you're dealing with a compliance process where it's a bigger um, answer, right, a a bigger kind of lens to look through, it can be one of our uh, companies that we work with, it can be a four to six week process to get something approved. So when you know you have that hurdle, I think there comes a time where it's like, I just don't even want to try, right? And that is unfortunately, I don't want to say it's the easy way out. I totally respect and understand why that happens. But if you don't have somebody inside the organization who's as passionate about content as I'm sure most of your guests are, right, Jeff, where we will do anything we can to get the good word of content out and really, you know, (laughs) and, and be patient about building out the process and workflow so that you're working on content early enough in the process to get it through your legal and compliance team. If you don't have an internal champion that's really going to push that, I think that's where these organizations fall flat and why they end up churning out some of the not so exciting content, right? Because they've kind of let compliance and and legal take the reins versus them taking the reins and doing a teaching of like, yes, we can do this. And this is how we can get it done together. But you kind of have somebody inside the organization who really wants that to happen as well. I think. I I agree that you definitely alluded to the idea of safe content and Mm -hmm. safe content is not really going to generate anything anything that you're looking for because right. it, it's just it's, out there it's it just is. more it's, noise <laughs> but yet it's the easy way to go or it's been maybe it wasn't quite as safe when it went through its first or second iterations but by the time it got to final draft it became vanilla right, right. <laughs> you know we, yeah. we had this really spicy thing going on but now all we have is vanilla and so i think there's an internal um opportunity for education 
Um, I think we are also at a point when it comes to, you know, because to me, content and social is so married, right? The distribution of your content is just as critical as getting the content created. And I think that's another area financial services is really challenged with right now is the, the right social channels, getting everybody trained on what they can say, what they can't say. How do we get all this, these small posts through compliance? What do we do? And I think there's a conversation that has to continue to happen there inside these organizations because we are in a time where it's not about should we be participating on a distribution network. It really has to happen. And um, that can really handcuff your content and digital team if you don't have um, a lot of that approved and the ability to get distribution going as much as you get content created as well, if that makes sense. It's extremely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our, for our last big question, before we head into our, our lightning round, you have some strong thoughts, I guess, about the, the battle, and we'll set this up as a battle between, (laughs) between content and campaign. Yes. So I, I feel like, I feel like I should ring the bell and start round one. Right. You're so funny, Jeff. Um, Here's the thing. Um, So like I mentioned, I joined uh, the Pedowitz Group in February of 2016. So it's been this last year has been one of the biggest, um, in some ways, learning curve years of my professional existence. And at the same time, been tons of little aha moments, right? I came into this particular role as very much a content strategist first. You know, I am running up the hill with the content flag. And I want us to not only look at content strategy within content marketing, but I want us to look at the whole organization, customer service, human resources, right? I want us to connect the dots in every possible way. And then we come to reality. Right, but Jeff? You, you drank the Kool-Aid big time and you're trying to bring that with you. I get that. I totally I know. That. And I absolutely love it. And I still believe it. And I will be that person inside of organizations that will raise my hand and go, yeah, but, right? <laughs> and um, and that's great. But then there's the reality. And working with a company like the Pedowitz Group, they have really led the way and built some great innovative strategy around campaigns, marketing automation, and driving that sales and marketing, what we call the revenue marketing journey, right? And it's been fascinating because I heard the word campaign so many times in my first few months that I would I would kind of get a twitch because I'm coming from the old adage, the old adage, listen to me, like I'm this veteran <laughs> way back in 2009, um, the old adage that the word campaign needs to kind of disappear from our conversation because the way our audience looks at us is not through campaign lens, but through just 365 days a year and all the different ways that we connect with them. But here's the reality. When we're working through the sales and marketing process and developing ideas, they are still campaigns, right? They still are. And finding that balance between what I now call, you know, what comes first, content or campaign has been a huge opportunity for me this past year to really respect that short-term need for getting something out the door, right? We need sales and marketing to work together right away. We need to, we need a short-term win, right? To yeah. looking at that overall need for a content strategy. Let's look at the entire year. Let's talk about this beyond just the marketing automation software, but what else are you doing? What's your web strategy? What's your social strategy? And respecting the need for that. And so 
we're starting to evolve even how we offer, Jeff, some of our solutions to our clients in that we still do talk about content strategy and campaign strategy kind of as separate nuances, but I'm really forcing the conversation of let's parallel this conversation as much as we possibly can. So even if we end up leading with campaign you know, content for campaign first, that we're still looking at the overall strategy in parallel and not something that's never really done. Right. They they absolutely do do go hand in hand. And I think the the part that's hard for a lot of people to acknowledge is that the content has a life beyond the campaign. Yes. Yes. There's opportunity to leverage that content, right? And absolutely. And it can be very exciting. And so that too, from not only um, when you mentioned the word immaturity with, you know, some of the industries, I think too, there's, there's this aha moment when you live in, in kind of your own world or, or your own bucket of the digital marketing experience, and you can, you get someone <laughs> who kind of comes in and shakes things up a little bit. Everybody has aha moments, right? And it's right. and that can be fun. And when you do have a team that realizes, wait a minute, we're all right. There is really no right or wrong answer to this, right? It's we're all doing the right thing. We just have to do it smarter and do it in parallel as much as we possibly can. Because at the end of the day, your campaign will end or could possibly end, right, at some point, but your content never ends. And you've got to remember that. Exactly, exactly. So, so now we're going to head into our lightning round so oh. that our, our guests can get to know you a little better. Okay. So you have a, you have a background in radio. I do. What is the, what is your current preferred music site that you listen to music on these days? Oh my gosh. You've... <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I am one of two places. Um, and my, my radio folks are going to hate me for this, but I either go to my Pandora or mm-hmm. I go to Siri, actually Sirius XM. I'm in my car quite a bit when I'm not working here in the office, you know, I'm driving around and I have become a big fan of Sirius um, XM. And I have, and honestly, because I, I'm a child of the 80s, the 80s on eight is probably my favorite gotcha. station. That or the classic Rewind. Okay. <laughs> so. Perfect. So it, yes. it's, it's now the, the holiday season. Yes. And when our, when our listeners hear this, uh, Christmas will have just passed if Christmas is a thing that you do. Yes. <laughs> and, and I mean our listeners. Uh, so do you have a favorite gift that you have either given or received? Oh my goodness. That's a really, that's a really big, tough question. Favorite gift that I've either given or received. I would say, um, yeah, what I gave three years ago, um, my husband and I made our, I'm originally from Minnesota. And um, I, three years ago, moved actually to Southern California for a job in content marketing. And we were leaving, we have adult children, um, they're all in their 20s, and we were leaving them, right? And so it's kind of bittersweet, right? When you're, we did the opposite. Most times, you know, the the children leave, we left the children. Uh, And so that year, we got our kids together for Christmas, because we were leaving right after that. And we gave them 
a little handmade gift certificate of uh, their first, you know, round trip flight to come visit us the next year so that they would not have the excuse of, but mom, we can't afford it. So um, that was a fun gift to give. So we were able to see our kids the coming, you know, the next year in California was giving them the opportunity to fly out and see us when they could make it happen. So that's probably one of my favorite gifts to give. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. You do, you also do voiceover. You have a a career as a voiceover. Is is the term artist or professional? I think it's professional, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, that that in and of itself is kind of a, a, an argument in the industry, right? Voiceover talent, voiceover artist, voiceover actor, or all of the above, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you have an example of say the weirdest voiceover that you've done? (laughs) And, and, and this is, it's a two part. Well, it could be a two part question. I don't know if you do accents or voices, so that's not the question I'm asking. Um, (laughs) it, but you might it. So it might be, it might be the, like the weirdest business thing you've done. And if you remember a bit of that voiceover, it'd be awesome because I know that stuff sticks with people, right? (laughs) Oh my god! Well, here's here's the challenge, Jeff. Is I tend to work um, in the in my. It's funny. There's a lot of niche areas in voiceover, right? Just like there are in content. Right, there's sure. a lot of niche areas, <laughs> and I have been the last couple of years been doing more work in the very sexy and underappreciated corporate narration. Oh, got <laughs> so, it. Got it. So I have been doing um, more work, uh, which is is kind of interesting, right? Because there's not as um, much in in-person trainings going on for companies because of cost and, and resources right. and things like that. So people like myself will record training modules, for example. So um, I don't remember all the, the one that I really enjoyed doing was actually for um, Mercedes, their C-Coop. And I had to do the, the sales training modules for the sales team that they could access on their iPads and laptops and things like that. And I got to talk about all the detail of the car and what made it sexy and interesting and, and what's under the hood. And, and I had to make it sound like I knew exactly what I was talking about. So <laughs> that, that, that was probably one of my in the last couple of years, one that was really super fun. Um, so I don't get a chance to do as many uh, accents and things like that. But when I, I've always said, if anyone want, needs a Minnesota or a Fargo accent, I can pull one out in a heartbeat. So, <laughs> so your, your final voiceover related question, is yeah. there a, is there a, a cartoon character that you always wish that you could do? Because obviously those are so many of those are done by, Great voice actors. I know. And I have had the pleasure of meeting some of them, which kind of put you in awe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm old school. I, you know, grew up with, uh, with Bugs Bunny and uh, Porky Pig and, and, and any of that. And, of course, there there's a lot of history with all of those different voices. So it's amazing to me, too, because a voiceover actor in animation can literally do dozens of voices and does dozens of voices, voices right, for different shows. So um, anything from those old school shows or those historic, you know, shows that still uh, hold true to today are awesome. And, of course, Pinky and the Brain. That was another oh. one that I absolutely adored. <laughs> and yeah. it's so intelligent, well-written as well. Um but yeah, and I have voices. high respect yeah. and great voices. And I have such high respect for animation and animated actors that I just stay away because I cannot play in that <laughs> space. That's not my space. And, but I definitely, um, 
if I could, I definitely would. But then I'd have to move back to Southern California because that's really where you got to be to make that happen. So, right. Well, so so thank you so much, Pamela. This was a great conversation today. Here, here thank on you. Con- absolutely here on Content Pros, part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. You can learn more about Content Pros at contentprospodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Please leave leave a comment, leave a review. It's how other people can help find us. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...